Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Well, today we're going to talk about food, hormones, and your health. My guest is Dr. Stephanie Gray. She practices functional medicine in Iowa and is the author of the book, Your Longevity Blueprint. So we're going to find out the difference between functional and conventional medicine, food sensitivities, stress, and your hormone levels, and how the toxins in your home or in your work environment might be affecting your hormones. So stay tuned. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Goth Tours. This is Goff, owner of Goff Tours, specializing in stand-up paddleboarding or surfing lessons. I even do snorkeling. You can reach me here. Orange County has what you're looking for. You can contact me via email at gofftours at gmail.com or mobile number is 949-338-5937, gofftours.com. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Well, today I have Dr. Stephanie Gray with me. Hi, Stephanie. Hello, how are you? So Dr. Gray, you practice functional medicine. For the listeners who have not heard of that term before, what is the difference between conventional medicine and functional medicine? Good question. So the way that I describe kind of what we do here at the clinic is that we are more of a carpenter or a contractor. We want to try to repair and rebuild the body and get to the root cause of the problem. Now, conventional medicine is much needed, but we describe their approach. A colleague of mine kind of coined this analogy that conventional medicine is more of a fire department approach. So they're here to put out big, bad, ugly fires, but their tools are really only drugs and surgery. So if you have reflux, (laughs) they can certainly prescribe for you a reflux medication. They may even offer you a scope, right? Trying to figure out, looking down there (laughs) to see if you have any inflammation or do biopsies, whatnot for celiac disease. But they don't always get to the root cause of the problem. A lot of times upon discharge from the fire department or from a hospital, if you had a heart attack, they're not always teaching you how to prevent future fires or future heart attacks. And so that's how we differ. Again, we try to repair and rebuild the body and really figure out why, right, why that heart attack occurred or why the patient has reflux in the first place and not just treat the symptoms. So we really don't like the Band-Aid approach to healthcare. We want to get to the root cause of the problem. Great. And you are the author of a book, Your Longevity Blueprint, that's available. And we're going to talk about that in depth in this interview. But first of all, what is your story? What made you write your book and what, you know, kind of pointed you in this direction? Sure. So my health struggle was really one passion behind writing the book. And then also a really a means to clarify all of what we offer at our clinic was a second. So as you mentioned, I'm a functional medicine practitioner and that can mean a lot of things. (laughs) So when I say we get to the root cause of the problem, we can do that various ways. 
and it can be really overwhelming for patients. And so I wanted to really create a blueprint or a nine-step plan for patients, more of a roadmap to help them again, get to the root cause of their problem. And around the time that <laughs> it was at my husband's suggestion that I that I created this, um, around that same time, I was having some health problems myself. So I was born in what I considered to be a pretty healthy family, always went to the chiropractor, I took my daily vitamins, I was always engaged in physical activity, and I was blessed to have home-cooked meals growing up. So I thought I was in pretty good shape, and for the most part, I was. But about at the age of 30, sitting at my desk, my heart rate took off and very very fast. So I was experiencing what's called tachycardia or fast heart rate. So I didn't just have palpitations. I had a very fast heart rate that made me feel like I was going to pass out and landed me in the emergency room. And this continued day after day. I was very short of breath. I was exhausted and dizzy. And I had a practice. I had patients to see and employees to pay. So conventional medicine's approach for my health was simply to take a medication to control my heart rate. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to get to the root cause of my problem. So this blueprint that I had written and created, I really had to live myself. And I did discover for myself there were several root causes of my problem. So one, I was very stressed out. I had way too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. So managing stress continues to be of highest importance for me. And then two, I actually looked into my genetics and found out that I kind of had a a bad combination (laughs) of some genetic variants that kind of set me up for an adrenaline storm. So there were a lot of supplements Mm -hmm. that I needed to take, things like magnesium to calm down my system. I was biopsied for celiac disease, which is full-blown, you know, autoimmune disease where you can never have gluten again. Mm -hmm. And my biopsy was negative, but my blood testing was positive. And so I did choose to continue on a gluten-free diet, removing wheat, barley, rye, and oats, unless they were gluten-free from my diet. I had small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and I had fructose intolerance. So I had a lot of gastrointestinal (laughs) symptoms at the same time. And, you know, my GI, or I should say my cardiologist (laughs) never asked me what I was eating. Nope. He didn't put together that when I was eating gluten, that was contributing to heart racing. So, you know, really through my struggles and my desperation, kind of having to live this blueprint for myself, I am now even more motivated to help patients because many times doctors aren't asking the right questions. You know, they're not able to get to the root cause of the problem. And my blueprint was able to help myself. And now I'm sharing it with others to try to help them. Wow. And you're right about, you know, going to the doctor and conventional medicine, they never ask about what you're eating. (laughs) And when I do have somebody recommend something, recently I had seen a doctor that was diet related that, that I agreed with. I was actually shocked that she was saying that. So, you know, less sugar, less refined carbs, low carb, you know, and just to actually hear that from a doctor was surprising. Usually they don't tell you much, you know, (laughs) medication or, you know, they just don't often have time as well. So yeah, functional medicine. And I've seen a functional medicine practitioner. And anyway, that's another conversation. So your book, Your Longevity Blueprint, that was based on your experience and now you're ironing out for other people. So there's a few sections of the book, correct? It's about gut health as well as your immune system and a few other things. Yeah. So essentially, I'll kind of dive into the blueprint concept. Okay. So throughout the book, what I'm trying to do is really compare your home and how it's built to your body. Because for the most part, we know how to maintain our homes, right? We're keeping hair out of our drains. We're mowing the lawn. We're changing our furnace filters. But we don't always know how to maintain our body other than we're all told exercise, eat healthy, and get adequate sleep. 
well, I thought I was doing those three things and I still needed more to get to the root cause of my health. So what I'm, or the root cause of my problems, I should say, to regain health. <laughs> so each chapter, through each chapter in the book, I'm discussing how organs and systems of your body work together to build your longevity. That's a little bit like building a home. You need this blueprint to ensure that the final outcome is a place you can live for a long time. So I'm essentially chapter by chapter comparing, for instance, chapter one is the most important. I'm comparing the foundation. So that's the portion of the house I'm comparing then to the body and the foundation of the body I'm describing as being the gastrointestinal system. You have to have a strong foundation upon which to build your house and same with your health. You have to have strong gastrointestinal system. So then I go chapter by chapter. So chapter two is all about maintaining your framework of the home. <laughs> and then I compare that to the musculoskeletal and nervous systems of the body. Mm -hmm. Chapter three, I'm comparing the electrical work in the home to genetics in the body. Chapter four, I'm looking at making sure you don't have, or making sure you do have the proper keys to unlock certain doorways in the home. I'm comparing that to having nutritional deficiencies within the body. And then chapter five is all about tackling the laundry. <laughs> and I'm comparing that to the liver and gallbladder, really the importance of detoxification in the body. Mm -hmm. After six, I'm talking about managing your heating and cooling system, which is my favorite chapter. That's all about optimizing your hormones, really more the endocrine system of the body. And then chapter seven was probably the easiest analogy, <laughs> comparing the plumbing in the home, right? You want to have clog-free plumbing. So we compare that to the cardiovascular system within the body. And then chapter eight is all about roof integrity. So you want to have a strong roof to protect your home. And I compare that to the immune system within the body. So we want to make sure we're treating underlying infections, things like Lyme disease, exploring if patients have chronic viruses or even mold toxicity. And then chapter nine is all about finding a functional medicine contractor like myself who can help you work through all of these steps, the necessary functional medicine tests that are available that can help and nutrition and supplements. So that's the short summary. <laughs> Sounds wonderful. I'm actually really interested in, in checking it out myself. So there are a couple areas. There's so much to focus on. We could probably have a, a four-hour podcast to talk about <laughs> every system, but the gut, I'm interested the gut and the hormones. As far as the gut, you know, that's really, you know, everybody's talking about that probiotics and microbiome, and they're, they're really finding out so much more about it, even within your skin and everything. But, you know, the gut is the frontier and how it relates to your mental health mm -hmm. and everything else. So, you know, like when you had your experience that you were eating, you know, you, you were celiac, but you didn't know and you weren't supposed to eat gluten and it was related to why your heart was racing. You had the SIBO. Yep. And... And you know, people, they're finally learning the relationship. So what is something like a first person someone should do if they think, you know, they have, they have stomach upset or they think it could be related? How can someone know that they have some of these symptoms, I guess? Sure. Besides if they're not diagnosed with something, just if maybe have some sensitivity. Sure. So unfortunately, lots and lots and lots of symptoms can be linked to food sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So it's not as simple as, you know, only these five symptoms or, or whatnot. Maybe I'll give an example of a friend of mine who I mentioned in chapter one of the book, she had chronic migraines her whole life. So she had been seeing a neurologist and, you know, was heavily medicated because her migraines were debilitating. She'd have to spend days in her dark room at home and take her medication and kind of missed out on life quite a bit. She was a college roommate of mine. And even into college, she missed out on a lot of fun activities because of her migraines. Mm -hmm. And again, here's an example of where her neurologist never asked her what she was eating. Mm -hmm. And so we eventually, after I started my practice, I told her, I really think there's a chance you could have celiac disease. And she did. She had probably some of the strongest blood levels I've ever seen. And long story short for her, removing gluten entirely resolved her migraines. 
So she had gone a huge chunk of her life not putting together that the foods she was eating could be causing migraines. We don't always think that the foods could trigger brain fog or fatigue or maybe even skin conditions, eczema, psoriasis, acne, rashes. Or for me, it was the cardiovascular symptoms, right? Palpitations and high heart rate. For another, it could be respiratory in origin. Maybe their chronic cough, asthma, which is inflammatory, or nasal congestion. Nasal congestion is oftentimes linked to dairy sensitivity. Maybe they do have gastrointestinal symptoms like belching, burping, gassiness, reflux, whatnot. But really, there are hundreds of symptoms <laughs> that can be linked to food sensitivities. And I do list many of those in my book. So a good start for patients is to get tested to see if they have food sensitivities. But if they don't have access to a provider, then they can trial an elimination diet. So I usually tell patients to try to commit 100% for 100 days. So let's say they eat pizza and they feel pretty lousy after eating pizza. Well, it's hard to know if the gluten, the yeast the garlic, the tomatoes, the dairy, you know, the eggs, what part of that pizza was it that they were reacting to? Well, if they take all those foods out of their diet and then introduce one each week, they might be able to then deduct or determine which of those foods is their primary problem. But it's really important that if, if patients aren't tested, that they log their symptoms so they can really pay attention to how their body's reacting. Because, you know, the headache that my friend had, the migraines I was mentioning, those don't always manifest immediately. Uh, food sensitivities unfortunately, the, the symptoms that they can cause can be delayed, meaning it may take three days to even a week for those symptoms to manifest. So it's really important that patients log their symptoms and really pay attention to their bodies. Absolutely. And also another system that you were talking about, the endocrine system. Now, you know, hormone replacement, a lot of people are talking about this hormone treatments, whether they're, you know, they're in the age where they need that, or also, you know, people who are trying to get pregnant, they're having yeah. hormone issues. Yeah. So how can that relate, I guess, functionally to the whole body as well as what you're eating? Sure. Well, I'd say the maybe the easiest connection to make is that if you're eating foods that are inflammatory for you, those are a stressor on your system. And any stress to your body will rob your body of hormones. So not just food sensitivities being a stress, you know, psychological stress, of course, Mm -hmm. Any stressor period can contribute to eventually low hormone levels, which can, you're right, impact fertility or even in the older population can then lead to low estrogen, low progesterone, low testosterone symptoms, whether that's hot flashes or night sweats, insomnia, low libido, fatigue, whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so for my patients, I absolutely educate them on removing as many stressors as possible. So we talk a lot about yoga, meditation, you know, the lifestyle changes are extremely important, but also physically removing any stressor like food sensitivities. So if somebody has a suspicion they're having trouble getting pregnant or they're experiencing low estrogen, a lot of hot flashes, to also look at their diet, their, Absolutely. you know, their stress levels and try to manage it in a proper way or whatever way they can, because you sometimes you can't take a lot of that away. Try as much as you can, but that's part of modern life. Okay. <laughs> yep. On my website, I actually have a free PDF. Uh, I think it's titled Three Tips to Boost Your Hormones Naturally. And number one is to reduce stress. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the top tip. Okay. Secondly, really looking at nutritional deficiencies. So, and this is also to kind of go back and echo or answer the question you mentioned. This also ties into gut health because your hormones, for your hormones to essentially be made, you need 
vitamins and minerals, those are cofactors for the production of hormones. So I'm talking about things like magnesium and selenium and healthy fats like omega-3s, whatnot. So if your gut is stressed or inflamed, that can compromise absorption of nutrients. So, so that can leave you nutritionally deficient, and then you don't have the building blocks you need to make hormones. So that's another connection <laughs> there between poor gut health causing nutritional deficiencies that can lead to low hormone levels. So obviously we want to fix the gut, but in the meantime, to boost hormones naturally, I do recommend patients supplement. Many women need magnesium, and unfortunately, the number one most recommended supplement is calcium for many postmenopausal women. Mm -hmm. And my belief is that they don't always need calcium. Many times they need magnesium or zinc or B vitamins, whatnot. And at my clinic and at other functional medicine clinics, you can be tested for all of these nutrients to see exactly what you need. But many times upon you know examination and taking a thorough history with my patients, I can deduct what they need. And many patients need magnesium, especially if they're stressed. So really fixing nutritional deficiencies would be a second way to boost hormones naturally. And then the third way is to really work on reducing toxin exposure. So we have a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals in the environment. And I live in Iowa. So driving to work, if I roll my windows down, which I don't now in the winter mm -hmm. because it's freezing, but <laughs> in the summer, we're surrounded by cornfields. So we have herbicides and pesticides mm -hmm. that are just really, those toxins are floating all around in the air. <laughs> then even the auto exhaust from my car is coming back into the car somewhat. And all of those, unfortunately, can bind to our hormone receptors and can cause the fancy word is endocrine disruption. And so we really want to do everything we can to reduce our toxin exposure Sometimes for patients, I even recommend they clean up their personal care products, really looking at if they have parabens, phthalates, sulfites in their hair products, their makeup, their heavy metals and their deodorants, whatnot, and then encourage that they don't eat out of plastic, that they're actually eating or drinking out of glass. And removing toxic chemicals from the home is important. And many patients even need to have metal removed from their mouth or eventually undergo a more aggressive liver detoxification program. So reducing stress, fixing nutritional deficiencies, and reducing your toxin exposure are three ways to help naturally boost hormones. And some of these toxins, it's hard to keep up with what's toxic. How can people do that? Because there's always new toxins added. I know, I can't even keep up. A great resource is the Environmental Working Group, the EWG. So they, for instance, have a list of the clean 15 and the dirty dozen foods. So the dirty dozen are the foods that are more thin-skinned, that are more likely to be penetrated by herbicides and pesticides. So they're just a great resource, even with finding non-genetically modified foods. And then they also have a great resource, their Skin Deep Cosmetics Database, where you can actually look at, you can download their app and you can scan the barcode of your personal care products and then it'll rank their toxicity. It'll rank how dangerous wow. the ingredients are. So those are some great resources for patients, but it is difficult to, to, to stay up to date because we live in a pretty toxic world these days. Right. And it can also be your home or where you work. You know, there's mm -hmm. the sick building syndrome. They used to talk about that a lot, but oftentimes, and if you're in a newer home, especially I've heard that there's not as much air leaving. It's not as uh, ventilated. So then there's all the new chemicals. So yep. people probably should have their homes looked at or in your work environment. What do you recommend? People bring a purifier or have one in their home. Oh, absolutely. You want to breathe clean air. So, you know, during the summer for ventilation, if you can, it's great to open your windows, mm -hmm. even when you're driving in your car. So, you know, if you're sitting 
in traffic, keep your windows up because you don't want to roll your windows down and inhale all that, <laughs> all that exhaust. But if you're on the interstate, you know, you can roll them down and kind of get some ventilation there. Same with your home, open your windows to get some ventilation through the house and then definitely get a great air purifier. There are different machines that emit negative ions into the air that will bind to bacteria and mold and toxins and drop them to the floor. We have one of those machines at our clinic to try to help purify the air, which is a great start. But then also you want to assess the home for mold, kind of like what you were referring to with sick building syndrome. So I do have many of my patients. We had two major floods here in Iowa and half of our downtown was literally underwater, which included many residences. So many of my patients, I believe, have symptoms of mold toxicity that they're just totally unaware of because they think maybe their homes were remediated, but they actually weren't properly remediated. And I do talk about this in one of the last chapters, I think it's chapter eight of my book, tests that are available. So rather than just having air testing done, I do recommend patients test their homes for 36 different species of mold using a dust cloth, because all that mold, will say um, the biotoxins from the mold need to survive, are a little bit of moisture and a little bit of dust, which contains cellulose. That's the nutrition for those organisms. So many of my patients have sadly found that their homes are pretty toxic for them. And so (laughs) they have to properly remediate their homes and clean their ducts and whatnot to get them out of that kind of sick building syndrome scenario so that their home is a healthy environment for them. Wow. And it's it's so incredible, you know, how this can affect everything. And you don't even really know if you have it. So yeah, definitely get that checked out. And so now genetics, that's also a big part of everything. It pays a part in so many things. Is there a way yeah. you can eat to be healthier? If your genetics are playing a part, what is that bioindividuality? Some things work better for other people. What are your opinions are on that? Yeah, I mean, one day there may just be some easy test that we all take and it tells us exactly what we should eat or not eat. At this point, I don't think, you know, the, the genetic tests that are available you know, I guess can tell us that clearly exactly how to live our lives. But I'll speak a little bit to what is available. So I love the quote, our genetics loads the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. So what that means is just because you have a gene, like for instance, I knew I had the celiac gene because I tested myself probably a decade ago, but I didn't necessarily manifest with symptoms for years. So When you're kind of saying, if we think about just the blanket statement as far as what can we do in general, regardless of genes, or even knowing what genes we may have to keep, we'll just say our bad genes less active and our good genes working to their full potential. Ben Lynch has an excellent book called Dirty Genes, and he does get into some specific genes and what you can take supplement-wise and whatnot. But bottom line is, kind of back to the three top tips I mentioned to boost your hormones, kind of the same thing with our genes. If environment pulls the trigger, if environment is most important, that's something we do have control over, right? We don't have control over what genes we inherited, but we do have control over the choices that we make. So eating organic and removing all the toxins that we can from our life is one of the best things that we can do for our genes. Not living in a really stressed state 24-7 is one of the second best things we can do for our genes. And really making sure the foods we're choosing to consume are nutrient-dense, right? They're real foods, fruits, vegetables, meat, not all the processed crap, excuse my language, that you can get at the grocery store. Eating real foods, I mean, some of those are such basic recommendations, but believe it or not, they really can account for how our genes are, we'll say, expressed. And that's what functional medicine providers like myself many times learn and focus on is the concept of nutrigenomics, which is blending nutrition and environment with genetics, really. 
So I don't want patients to be discouraged if they end up having some bad genes <laughs> because there are things that we can do by choosing to eat cleaner, even removing the inflammation, removing the inflammatory foods we first you know, discussed. Again, reducing stress and getting toxins out. Those are all just really excellent recommendations to better influence our genes. Excellent. Now back to hormones. Now when people are considering hormone replacement or hormone treatment, how do they know what to choose and... Who should they listen to? Because oftentimes they'll get differing opinions from whatever kind of medical provider they see or from also if they read online or from other people. Sure. So the best thing to do is to find someone who can test your labs, who can really compare and combine what symptoms you're experiencing with what your body's saying, right? On paper, what your labs are reading, because labs don't lie. <laughs> so many patients, if they are symptomatic of low hormones and their labs also confirm that their levels are low, especially if the patient has had a hysterectomy, if they physically don't have the organs to produce hormones anymore, then natural hormone replacement therapy is definitely an option that I consider with my patients. Now, whenever we talk about hormones, the word cancer comes up because many patients are and providers are concerned. Obviously, they don't want to increase their patient's risk for cancer, but I very strongly <laughs> discuss this in chapter six of my book in the hormone chapter. What was used in the Women's Health Initiative study that really scared everyone away from hormones mm -hmm. was oral synthetic estrogen. So okay. the estrogen came from pregnant mare's urine. It was called Premarin. Mm -hmm. And I show the molecular structure in my book of synthetic hormones as compared to natural hormones. So if you think of the synthetic hormone, it's not going to fit like a key fitting in a keyhole. It's only going to bind partially, and that's why it can cause some side effects. Natural or bioidentical hormones are biologically identical to what your body's supposed to be making, and thus they should fit like a key fitting in a keyhole and have fewer side effects. And so what I tell my patients is that the hormones I'm giving, <laughs> obviously I'm not trying to replicate what was done in that Women's Health Initiative study. Right. What I'm giving them is what I believe is a safer option. So I don't give oral estrogen. I don't give horse urine. What we give are hormones that are compounded by compounding pharmacy that are plant-based, usually from yam. Some compounding pharmacies use soy, but I prefer to not use soy. I prefer mm -hmm. yam. And so, again, <laughs> I recommend patients only take natural bioidentical hormones, and then there are various ways that they can be taken. So the compounding pharmacies can make topical gels or creams that can be applied to the body. They can also compound capsules. I don't give oral estrogen, but I do give oral progesterone. They can compound little trochies, like little lozenges you can put under your tongue, kind of like if you are familiar with taking B12 under your tongue. Mm -hmm. Same concept for hormones. Hormones can even be given in that form. And then lastly, my clinic is certified to administer hormone pellets. So it sounds a little odd, but actually hormone pellet therapy has been studied since 1950s. So pellets kind of look like little grains of rice. And they're an actual implant that we, after having numbed up the fatty tissue in kind of the upper bottom, lower back area, we surgically pop the pellets under the tissue and they're released over three to six months. Oh. The interesting thing about the pellets is I do believe they're the safest way to take hormones because they're not cleared through the gut or the liver at all. They're cleared oh, through the okay. kidney, And therefore they don't increase risk of clotting factors at all. They're safe for patients who have clotting disorders, even patients who smoke. So finding a functional medicine provider or contractor, like I mentioned earlier, can really help you as a patient, as a listener, determine which hormones you need and what the best form of hormone replacement therapy may be for you. 
Great. And so, yeah, there's a lot of concern about cancer. And I heard that there's some there's some estrogens that they can block it being absorbed by the breasts and the uterus. But, you know, I still think that, I don't know, the plant-based, I guess, like the phyto, I guess, the estrogens and then the progesterones. So that study that was done, it was done with Premarin. So it doesn't mimic. So what you're recommending and what other functional medicine providers are recommending, it's a different chemical structure. It's more similar to the one in our own body. More than likely. Yep. I can't necessarily speak to what everyone else is doing, but more than likely, if they've been trained similar to me, then yeah, you bet. And this goes for men too. We should mention that, not just for women, but many men. I even have men in their 20s and 30s. I mean, young guys with low testosterone, and obviously we're working Mm -hmm. with them to naturally boost their levels. But even for these young guys and older gentlemen, if they need testosterone replacement therapy, the injections that are commercially available, those are all synthetic. They can increase cardiovascular risk, increase liver function tests. They can cause, you know, bad things to happen. And so even with the gentleman, I don't want to give synthetic hormones. I want to give natural, the most safest form of that hormone for them. Wonderful. And yeah, that's one thing we do sometimes forget to include the men, but yes, the testosterone. So usually is there a, also a plant-based version that you recommend? It's the exact same. Yeah. Yam based actually. Yep. Wonderful. So let's talk a little bit more about your book and where it's available. So it has been released for almost a year or a little over a year and it's available on Amazon and bookstores. Yeah, it should be anywhere books are sold, like Barnes & Noble. You also can get it at our website. We have two websites. So my book website is yourlongevityblueprint.com. And that's where my video blogs are as well. So if any of these topics today that we discussed really interest you, you probably likely can find much more on those topics on that website looking at my blogs. At that website, we are offering 10% off. So if you're interested in purchasing the book and you want a little promotion code, if you use the code thanks teaspoon of healing, you'll get 10% off, not just the book, but any supplements as well. And then my clinic website is ihhclinic.com. That stands for integrative health and hormone clinic. And on both of our websites, you can find links to our social media accounts as well. Wonderful. Yes. And I will also put that on the show notes. So if people that are reading it on my website, reading the notes or looking at it, it'll be available on iTunes too. So they'll be able to get the discount and to buy the book there, or they can look at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever they get books. And that's wonderful. Is there anything you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? Sure. So I think the main take home, and again, my intent behind writing the book was obviously I wanted to share my story and really it be that of hope. When even I, as a functional medicine practitioner, needed more, I needed this blueprint to regain my healing, regain my health. If you are listening and you have any symptoms, you know, brain fog, fatigue, chronic pain, gastrointestinal disturbances, whatnot, if you haven't been able to find answers, if conventional medicine hasn't been able to help you, really seriously consider finding a functional medicine practitioner because there's a great chance they can work as that like I said, contractor, carpenter, really an investigator, explorer to help get to the root cause of your problem. Because if you're having symptoms, there's a reason and you need to find someone who can help you find that why. So there is hope, but you have to take that first step and finding a provider who can really help you. Great. Definitely. So everyone check out our website and can you give your website address one more time? Sure. So yourlongevityblueprint.com and ihhclinic.com. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Gray, for joining us today on A Teaspoon of Healing. Good luck with great things you're doing. And if people have any questions, I'll forward them to you. Thank you again. Wonderful. Thanks for having me on. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. If you have any questions for me or for Dr. Gray, visit my website, teaspoonofhealing.com. Click on contact and I'll get back to you. You can also reach me on Instagram at Teaspoon of Healing or Facebook, facebook.com slash Teaspoon of Healing. Stay tuned next week for another episode. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. Hey there, this is Sean. And this is Frank Jag from Sensibly Cynical. And you can check us out on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher application. Or just be real, you can just Google our name, Sensibly Cynical. That too.